like, do I keep going or do I quit? And I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. So moved to New York. And in New York, it's funny because everybody says it's the hardest city. People are mean. And for me, that was so exciting because it was this challenge of like, well, I can, I can do it. And that just like, without me knowing it built this confidence. And then I just didn't care anymore. You know what I mean? I didn't being here. I cared so much what people thought to the point where I couldn't even post a video of me singing on Instagram without, you know, crippling anxiety of what does it look like? What does it sound like? And then I went to New York and I was like, screw it. I've got one life. Welcome everyone to the ultimate shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today I have one of my favorite people in the world, Bailey Heineman, who is an actress, writer, singer. Am I leaving anything out? Sleep eater. <laughs> Sleep eater. Yeah. So, so I have just written down like the few things that you've done. You, you're, you, you produced essentially five women in the end, right? Well, this movie in 2019. So I co-wrote that with my good friend Katie Amond. It was. I think it was like, oh my God, was it 2017 or 2018? She and I were both just sort of in this place where she really wanted to make something. I wanted to be in something and make something. So I didn't produce that. I have a producer credit for a short film that I did, Claire McKenna. But really that was, I was just so honored to be in that, you know? That was a short film just basically about the B attitudes. And I honestly don't know how many of those there, I think there's like, are there like five or six or eight? I, I, I don't know. It's, I should know that because that was the whole thing. But that was really cool. Yeah, anyways, but five of them in the end. It's on Amazon. It was the directorial debut for KD and my the first thing that I've ever written and gotten to be the lead in. And that's actually something else got me SAG eligible, but it was after that I ended up joining the union. So, And then after that, I moved to New York, which we can get into in a minute. But yeah, anyways. So... What you had some really good reviews on it. I looked up the film. Did you? I, I haven't seen it yet. I didn't even know it was on Amazon. I know you had said that, but I'm going to go watch it now. Okay. But uh, <laughs> but I looked up the reviews and people were saying really really good things about it. Like especially for that being that wasn't the first one you wrote though, or was it the first one you actually wrote? Yeah, it was the first. It wasn't your first movie. It was just the first one that you wrote. Yeah, not first movie, but first one that I had any part in the writing process. It was. I'm. I'm not necessarily the best at script formatting, but Katie is. Thank God. Um, so I was really kind of the like blabbermouth, like you know what I mean when it came to dialogue and whatnot. But um, anywho, yeah. So that was a really good exercise for me and first one that I wrote, but. It was so we filmed it on iPhones. I think that's the craziest thing. I go back and watch it. I'm like, you know, we did this on, when I say shoestring budget, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I think it was around like 13 grand or something. Like really? it was, yeah, we, I love how I said I'm not allowed, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. I said it. <laughs> Oops, but it was, um, here it is. Here it is. I mean, when I say shoestring, I mean, we all did it because we were just, we wanted to make something. And I think that was the coolest part that, you know, I think, no matter what business you're in, sometimes people, it's like, well, how much can you pay me? Or when am I going to get paid? Or, Ugh. And I think there's something to that. You get to a point where it's like, I really can't do this unless I'm paid a certain amount, blah, blah, blah. But then you don't always have people doing it because they love it or they're passionate about it. And yeah. that was the coolest part of that movie is filmed on iPhones, shoestring budget, one, maybe like two locations, Lavabo sent us candles. That was really? sick. Yeah, we awesome. emailed them. We were like, hey, look, we've got this movie. We want to mention the candle. Can we use it? And they're like, here's, you know, 10 Santal 26, whatever it is. Wow. So, yeah. But. So, when you were a kid, you knew, what did you think you were going to do when you grew up? You, you're doing what you wanted to do. I know you wanted to sing and mm-hmm. act, and I didn't know that writing was a big part of that. Yeah. So writing, you know what? Writing really wasn't, I think I was always afraid of it. I was just like, "Mm, that's not what I do. But the older I've gotten, I'm like, wait a second. I'm actually really interested in the other side of things, you know, because in my mind it was always, no, I want to be the performer. And now I'm like, Oh, wait a second. I've never directed anything or had 
anything to do with that part of filmmaking or even, you know, music mm-hmm. videos, whatever, but it's becoming so much more appealing. And I think that there's a little bit of, you know, with anything that you start, there's a little bit of a block there, but I've just slowly started writing, slowly started working. Like today, when we leave here, I'm going to go meet some friends. We're in the development process stage of, um, it's a short film, but I think it'll be really cool. But like getting to be on that part of the process. So yeah, so writing wasn't, to answer your question, even really on my mind. I think I kind of did it, but yeah. So um, why do you no, think that changed? Do you feel like you can understand the the part better mm-hmm. if you're well? Obviously, I guess if you're writing it, you, there's more emotion or whatever tied to that. But but yeah. is that harder to get when you're just reading a script? So you know what? And I do. I take an acting class on Tuesdays, and I've noticed that since I've started writing and paying, you know, again being more involved on that side of it my analysis for other people's writing is much better and just understanding the human psyche. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe I just use that word, but yeah, understanding writing it and knowing your intentions behind something kind of gives you a better view into other people's writing. So it makes sense. Intentions. So behind so, a movement or an action. So what, so you've been, I met you in Nashville, 2016, 17, whatever mm-hmm. it was. You moved to New York since, mm-hmm. and of course, COVID changed a lot of things. But what do you think is the biggest thing that you see changed in yourself in, let's say, the last five years as, as you've dove more into? Because you did a lot of things in New York, too, from singing to performing to different things like that. Is there a part of, I know you and I both love New York. I know you have a deep I love for New place. York. But do, do you feel that New York really, I don't even know how I'm trying to pose this question. What's the biggest internal change that you see in yourself in the last five years? And what do you think was the reason for the change, whether it's good or bad? Yeah, that's so interesting. Cause I mean, without like talking too much, cause I know you and I have talked about this quite a bit and like we had a day in New York and really got deep, but I think the biggest, I was thinking about it this morning. I had a word for it. I don't even remember what it is, but I think the biggest shift was there was a confidence shift. I think when I was here, I was doing, when I first moved here, I went to Berkeley College of Music, left shortly after, you know, pulled a, what I say, a John Mayer. I thought I was going to be John Mayer because he went to Berkeley, left, blah, 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 as a story goes. <laughs> and um, so when I moved here, I think it was just a lot of, I just wanted to sing so bad. I didn't care where, how, who, what. And I but I didn't have the confidence in myself as an artist or really a person. You know what I mean? I was confident in what people told me I should be. But then after a while, you know, you're getting older and you realize you don't really have your own identity. So I think when I was here, I had heard you're good, whether it was not necessarily with acting, but with music, you're good, but we don't get you. And after hearing that so many times and it's such an impressionable age, it's like, oh, okay, well then I must not this must not be for me. And then something just clicked. I think I was talking to my mom one day or and my parents, my dad was like, you know, maybe you should go into the mortgage business. And I think it's like, whenever you get a push, that's when you're kind of faced with a decision. When you're pushed into a corner, you've got to make a decision. Right. And I was pushed in a corner of like, do I keep going or do I quit? And I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. So moved to New York and in New York, it's funny because everybody says it's the hardest city. People are mean. And for me, that was so exciting because it was this challenge of like, well, I can, I can do it. And that just like, without me knowing it built this confidence. And then I just didn't care anymore. You know what I mean? I didn't being here. I cared so much what people thought to the point where I couldn't even post a video of me singing on Instagram without, you know, crippling anxiety of what does it look like? What does it sound like? And then I went to New York and I was like, screw it. I've got one life. Also, my uncle was diagnosed with cancer at the same time that I moved And we didn't really think it would be anything. And unfortunately it was, he passed in December, but I think all of that combined, I was like, yo, we've got one life and this is fun and I'm excited and B you've worked really hard to get where you would be proud of who you are. So I think I also say like in New York, you get to let your freak flag fly. Like if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. You know, it's like the opposite of anywhere else. And then coming back tonight. Yeah. So that's a long winded way of saying, I think it was just confidence and coming back here, I'm just much more confident in who I am. And it's funny because I watched five women in the end the other night, actually with my friend, Anna, and we both commented, we acknowledged, you know, that was only four years ago, but 
whoa, I look younger. I seem younger. My choices as an actor were not as informed. And so it's really incredible to see. I think especially New York did this, but how different I am. Just how much I've grown. So I think it's, you know, life experience. Do you think New York kind of throws you into a, um, it's, it's growing up fast, mm-hmm. maybe, in mm-hmm. a way, because it's very disciplined and from a competitive standpoint of, mm-hmm. of, hey, if you're not out there hustling to make it happen, then somebody else is, is going to be, because that's why people go to New York. Exactly. I think, so to, you know. Totally. Yeah, it's been really interesting for me to see, like, to see you move there and everything you've done there and come back. And I would definitely say like, not that I ever thought you were not confident, but it's just like, you seem so sure of yourself Mm -hmm. of of what you want to do. And, and I think that's one thing I've always loved about New York for, for me, even I've never lived there, but if I go there, there's, it's like, there's so much chaos Mm -hmm. that I find peace in the chaos Mm -hmm. of just being, being there and, and finding myself amongst like all these different diversities, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. No, so that's I don't know what, if that's how you found it. But. I love that about you too, though, and that's one thing that I I love that we have that in common is that you go to New York to find peace of you know we live in Tennessee and you can go to Montana or wherever, mm-hmm. but for some reason New York I think there's just a very special person that can go to New York and say oh I can finally breathe yeah because it is insane but it's like you said you're really you're thrown into the deep end and it's. Hey, everybody, everybody is going, going, going. Obviously this past year, things changed, but for the most part, you're going, 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 and it's keep up or get out and not in a mean way. It's just, Hey, come on. Like, and if you want work there, you can find it. You just got to go get it. Yeah. And that's the cool thing too. It's, there's opportunity everywhere, but you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta want to take it. So, yeah, I think for Nashville has pushed me a lot too. So Mm -hmm. when when I think about 10 years ago when I came here Mm -hmm. and had I not come here, I get really scared about what I see and not to say that that's wrong for anyone else that stayed in the small town and got married and has kids and things like that. But I feel like I would have, I would have settled short of my potential. I think my biggest fear in life is like not, you know, not, not living up to what I could have done. Mm And, and I feel like that would have been me. And, but even that being said, even in Nashville, I think we're still a small town that's changing fast, but very fast. Yeah. It's crazy fast. But I think that there's some sort of comfort here too, that when I go to New York, it reminds me of, of how, how little I'm doing. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a crazy way because of the, and I would, I would recommend to anyone, I don't care if you're from the country or wherever, like just go and just the enormous, you know, vast buildings, people, noise, tra- it just, it reminds you that you're alive mm-hmm. it so, does. in a weird way. Yeah, no, definitely. That. Well, I was going to say, someone asked me the other day, there's this girl, I'm at this weird point in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm old enough and I've had, it finally clicked the other day. I've had all these experiences. So they're like Berkeley asked if I wanted to be a mentor, but I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. I've got the balls rolling, but you know, it hasn't necessarily started sliding down the hill yet, but yeah, she, anyways, this girl asked me, she was like, which is so weird. I can say someone's 10 years younger than me. That's crazy. But she (laughs) said, you know, I really want to, I've lived in Nashville my whole life. I want to leave. And I have to tell you, I am so happy to be back in Nashville. I think just God has a really big plan and um, I'm stoked to be here, but I am with you. I encourage anybody I'd say go to LA. I haven't lived there, but there's something about New York if you can go to New York for even a little bit, do an internship, do something, it's almost like you are all of a sudden you've got a, like 7 million brothers and sisters and you've got to figure out how to live together. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's that's kind of a what great I, way to put it. Yeah. So anyways, I think, you know, I could talk about New York all day. And it's very, intimate. <laughs> it's very intimate in the sense of even when you go to eat, you're so packed into places, it's, which is, is also kind of cool, crazy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't even I, get me started on the subway. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So. It, well, it's, it's all really cool stuff. I, I just, I have some of my best memories in New York with, with you actually, you mm-hmm. and Zoe and, and everyone there. So with all of the life changes you've had now, let's say you had to tell 14 year old Bailey something. Mm-hmm. What was her biggest fear and what would you tell her 
You know, it's so funny because I think that 14-year-old me was so sure of... In high school and middle school, one of the things that people said about me most was they're like, you have no shame. We love that you know who you are. And really? then it was... Yeah, and it was really interesting because that that's... It shifted. The ultimate shift. It shifted <laughs> when I got to college because all of a sudden I was in... You know, I always knew I wanted to be in the real world. I grew up pretty fast, got my GED, and graduated high school. Long story for another time, but... That shifted, but I think 14-year-old me would say, hey, keep go- would actually probably talk to me, like, keep going. I think I'm finally now to a place where I'm making that person proud. Does that make sense or answer yeah. your question? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that for a little while I lost sight of what it was that I wanted and who I was, and I wasn't as sure of myself in the same way I was at 14. At 14, I didn't care. You know, I was getting into caring, but I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, I was like, hey, I'm me. Take it or leave it. So does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So how do you how do you keep from getting – I mean, I see a lot of people, including myself, sometimes you, you start doing something you like. You kind of get into a rut. How do you keep – do you ever find yourself in those? How do you stay motivated for the new projects, new things? You know, if somebody was to say, hey, Bailey, you know, I'm – I want to be an actress. I want to be a singer or, you know, I want to move to Nashville. There's a lot of people that I want to move to Nashville to become a songwriter. I've also had a lot of people on here already that have told me they moved here to do music and then they got into a rut of whether maybe it's bartending, maybe it's something. And all of a sudden they're in six years and they realize I'm not even, you know, how do you keep from from getting into that rut or to stay focused? Mm -hmm. I think the best thing, I actually heard this from an agent in New York and I found it to be true from doing it. You know, again, like I said, I am moving towards where I want to be and not even there yet, but it's so easy to get caught up when you're not there and Mm -hmm. just you're nervous, scared, whatever. But he said, find something other than acting or music that you love or want to do. You know, if all you have is acting, you're like, I have to do this to make money. I have to do this because I love it. This is my whole life. You're going to go into an audition and you're going to bomb. And it's true. I've literally, I would, you amp yourself up so much, even for music stuff I've done, I would get on stage and be so like, this has got to be perfect. This is it. This is what I want to, or even my mom, take it seriously. This is what you want to do. You need to, this would be a great opportunity. And I started realizing like, there's, it's not that you shouldn't care. Obviously you should care, you know, put in the work, but you can't care. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Or you've got to yeah. have something else that you also care about that makes life exciting and fun. Um, so if you, obviously you've got to pay your bills, you're bartending, you're doing whatever. And you also, so that you can pursue music and you really need to put your head down, do the work, but I think you got to have something else like your friends or that you love to go hiking or you love to make pottery and sell pottery or, you know what I mean? I just yeah. think you've got to have something else that you're passionate about that can maybe bring in, you know, money. Because I think that there, I think there are definitely people that can bartend and, or do, I shouldn't say bartend, but whatever and pursue their craft. But you've got to have something else that you love. So I, for me, that's, I don't even know what that is. I've got my eggs in too many baskets right now. So I was starting to feel a little bit of that burnout, but then I realized I was just, I'm so grateful to be able to work. And I think also you get to a point where it's like, this is what you prayed for. You prayed for Mm -hmm. a full plate. So don't be mad when you get it. That's fair. So do you think that passion, this is, this is a topic I love because and I ask a lot of people and I have a lot of answers all across the board. So I don't know that there's a wrong answer or a right answer, but do you think that, that your passion should always align with your income? Meaning one is the other. Ooh, Ooh, that's a toughie. <laughs> hmm. Cause there's people that say, well, you should only do your passion in life. And, and then, and not the, care then there's you. people that say your passion should not, your passion should be a hobby essentially or something like that, you know, but it's not realistic to expect your passion to pay you, but, mm-hmm. you know, or to make a, a sustainable living mm-hmm. off of that. And obviously there's places where that's the case, but mm-hmm. I don't know what's your take on it. Okay. So let's see if I can, if I'm, I want to make sure I'm on the same page. So when I was at Berkeley, we had this class and they said, you know, what do you think when it comes to making money as a musician? What do you, what's, 
what's your take on it? And every, it's funny because Berkeley is a very expensive school. It's hard to get into and expensive to live in Boston, expensive to go to. I'm using this story as a, I think we're on the same page. Um, this or quite a few students in this class, creative artistry said, if you're in this business for money, you're never going to make it like you should do it because you love it. Blah, blah, blah. Totally get it. You know, like you, not everybody's going to be Mariah Carey, you know, but you can make a living as a musician. You definitely can, or an actor or whatever you can do it. But my thing was like, you know, that's true, but I don't want to be the guy living in the alley on Beale Street just because I love to play blue, the blues, mm-hmm. you know, like what do they say? You can't live on love. So I think that if you're passionate about, I think it, I mean, it really depends. You know, some people are really passionate about something, but they're okay with that being more of a hobby and making money elsewhere because they just, that's yeah. But then some people, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I'm going to ruminate on that because it really is a thing. If you can make money, you know what I mean? Like, and it can line up, like how passionate you are about something I think can line up with the ink with your income. But I really think that's just such a per. I don't want to say personal and that you not personal in that way, but just a kind of really, yeah. Like you said, everybody's different. Yeah. My, my personal take on it is that life changes and that might change. Right. So it could go from, you know what, this is, you know, I look at Matthew McConaughey, for instance, you know, he talks about going to LA when he was a kid and this is what he wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. and obviously he got to do what he loved to do and, and make a great living off of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that for some people, maybe it changes and, and there's no wrong or right to that. And I, what made me ask that was I, you were talking about, Basically, not going into acting, thinking this is all. And you know who Ryan Serhan is? Mm-hmm. Yes, so, of course. And you're, so, it's your guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Drew was the first one who brought him up to me. But he, in his latest book, he tells about this story. He was he moved to New York to become an actor, and that, that's what he wanted to do. And then he was actually a hand model. And so for like holding phones or something. That's unreal. That's sick. Yeah. And then he, and he tells a story of him trying to go into all these editions and just being sweating bullets because he was so nervous about getting the part never got the part or whatever. And then he got into real estate and figured out that, and he was like, real estate was never my passion, but he had to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he's effing phenomenal at real yeah. estate. I yeah. mean, he's one of the top guys in the world, if not the top guy in the world right now. And then he starts getting asked to be on certain TV shows. And then he's like, he goes into what, you know, I don't know if you know the story, how he got the million dollar listing part is insane. Yeah. You should, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay, you should I'm go read the book okay, uh, or listen to it. It's better when he, it, the, the audio version of it, oh, he reads it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But he tells the story uh, and it, you know, in all reality, he should have never gotten the part, but, uh, <laughs> but he did and it turned out phenomenal. And then he also tells the story of, he was asked to do a play a part in a movie and he said, I don't have time for this. And the guy, and they kept coming back to him. Hey, we want, and he's just finally, he's like, okay, fine. I'll go audition on his way to the audition. He has a showing right after that. And now, he, and he gets there and he's running a little late and then he's sitting in there and he's looking at all these people and they're all just like sweating bullets and memorizing their, you know, reading the scripts and things. And he's just sitting there working on his computer, trying to get his listings right. Mm -hmm. And then they're late and he's getting mad. He's like, I shouldn't even be here. I'm going to be late for my next one. Like I can't be here. Mm -hmm. And so he goes in, he hurriedly rushes through everything and he gets the part. Yeah. And he's like, if, if you, if you're not, you know, everything in it if you're not so in your head about all these things mm-hmm. and sometimes you see, and that's how I've found it in my career I never ever thought I'd be a roofer mm-hmm. so but but it's brought me everything I ever wanted yeah. in life outside of that to, well, in, in my year so far so no totally well I'll say like for me personally this might be an overshare but for my music like I love to act and I've gotten more into voiceover and I've had some opportunities and then also I've worked in casting so I guess so to go back to your question, because that's the same. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, and isn't it funny? Some of the things that you're, you keep brushing off, you're like, Oh, I want to do it. Or maybe that blah, blah, end up being the best opportunities, but you're not so worked up about it in your mind, you know, not overthinking it. Right. It's not, this is not do or die. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, and it's so funny that you say that because I found in the past year, year and a half. And so it's where I'm like, okay, well, I'm really busy. I've got this, I've got this. And then that's when, 
that works out, you know, anyways, but I've had other things. And I think for me, music is the biggest area where it was music, music, music. And then I found acting voiceover casting these other areas of the industry that I enjoy and I'm learning a lot and growing. And so that makes me enjoy this more music more. And then I can put more into it. And when I have, you know, when I'm writing and I end up setting more time aside for that, and again, you don't want to get burned out by having your eggs in yeah. 20 baskets, but I, I see exactly what you're saying. And I, yeah, I agree. And it makes sense. And I feel that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I would have never thought about it that way until, you know, the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. I always, I was one of those people who used to think like, you only have to do what you, your passion, you know, whatever. And it's not like I was ever passionate about roofing, but, yeah. <laughs> but it was a hell of an opportunity mm-hmm. that I'm so grateful I didn't turn down. Right. And so, cause it, it changed, changed my life. And it but, fuels your other passions. Yes, you get to exactly. travel and you get to do this. And yeah. I think it, it's not that roofing for you necessarily is like you're, I'm, I'm trying to, um, dig further by into social capital. And I feel like all of these experiences just add to your social mm-hmm. capital, you know what yes. I mean? And then your mm-hmm. social capital, then the more social capital you have, the broader your, the higher your ceiling. So yeah, the bigger your world gets. Bigger your world. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. I, I always tell people that, you know, people, I think people underestimate opportunity mm-hmm. because it doesn't come in the package they want it to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was when, when I was first approached about this roofing opportunity, I was like, hell no, no, it, just, it doesn't look good. It does, I, you know, in my own prideful self, egotistical time at the time, I was probably the most broke I've ever been in my life. And I, and I was still thinking like, it has to be cool. Mm-hmm. And when I when I finally went down that road, it's opened so many doors. And I realized that like people will walk away from an opportunity because they don't think it fits within their box. Mm-hmm. When and and this is how I categorize it. And this is probably just my crazy self. But I think that and, and people also say money isn't everything. But I think opportunity creates more money. More money creates more freedom. And more freedom creates more happiness. More happiness creates fulfillment. More fulfillment creates peace. At the end, and when you think about at the end of your life, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Peace. Mm-hmm. You want to be at peace with the way. And so, and it can all start with opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just my. No, I love that you said that. I love that whole thing because I re- I think it's what you said. It's I think when you're chasing the money, and obviously it it's stressful. You've got to have it. You know, you've got to have something to live. I mean. But if you say like, no, 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 I don't, yeah, it's just rerouting your thinking. And I love everything that you just said. Do you, how do you, do you feel balance is important one? And then how do you keep balance in your life from, from the burnout from, I mean, you're probably, I think one of in our core group of friends, one of the, my only friends that also gets up early, <laughs> uh, you and I are the only one who'd be doing a podcast at 9am on a Sunday. On a Sunday. Um, I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, is there a part of that early morning that, that you find that peace in, or is that, is that your, your balancing part yeah. of your, of your, cause I know you're incredibly busy. Mm-hmm. No, I think that I, a few years ago, I, it really stressed me out to think that I, I was, I was like, God, I love the mornings, but maybe I should be a night owl because that's when a lot of creatives are up. And there's this book about creativity and how different people do it different times of the day when you're most creative, blah, blah, blah. And I used to think, Oh, maybe that's why I'm not as creative. Whatever. That's not some, I guess that's another story, but I finally realized I love the mornings, especially in a town like Nashville, where a lot of stuff, you know, especially for me, it's, it's a lot of, and in New York, I got, I'm, it was like this as well. It's a lot of stuff at night, events at night, workshops at night, everything at night. And so whether I have a late night or not, I love the mornings here because Nashville's quiet until around 10 AM. Yeah. And it's the only time in the morning. I know my phone's not going to be blowing up. I'm not going to be anxious about who's texting me. What do I need to do? I can get done whatever I need to do. I can work out. I can have breakfast. I love being able to wake up, work out, journal, do a devotion. If I need to read, listen to a podcast. It's just, I love having all that done by 10 a.m. Because I feel like my mind is sharper. I'm ready to go. I feel just, yeah, fulfilled. So I think that's one thing I do to try and keep balance. And then it sets my day up. And I notice when there are weeks at a time where I'm just, I'm waking up at 8 a.m. And I'm like, ugh, okay, I've got it. Then you got to get going. And I feel more rushed throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something 
I do to keep balance. And I've also, I started therapy and I'm, I'm also, I read this on Instagram. I can't love that I'm getting my information from Instagram. Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think the Enneagrams were such a grok of crap. Then I figured out what mine was and I'm a seven. And something I saw on Instagram, a friend posted, it's the ways that like sevens can offend people. And it's, we get so excited that we overbook or we will overcommit. And really you've only got 24 hours in a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week. So one thing I've started doing is just being more intentional with my time and saying, Hey, if I need a night, like Friday night for me was my only night I'm going to have free in a few weeks Mm -hmm. for a few weeks. And I was like, okay, if Friday night's my only night that I get to sit at home and cook and watch what I want to watch, practice my scales, whatever, that's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. That's okay to carve out. If I literally want to go throw rocks at a wall. That's my time that I need. So my therapist has been helping me create boundaries for myself, be intentional with, you know, who you spend your time with. And I don't want that to sound bad either, but just, yeah, yeah. where you're putting that and yeah. your emotional energy, because for, especially for the industry I'm in, it's all emotional energy. I think we, I mean, we all use it, but it literally drives mm-hmm. everything I do. So you've got to be careful with it. But yeah, mornings. And then I think just carving, starting to carve out time where it says, nope, me yeah. time. And I know you said like you did that, you needed that, yeah, you know, this I'm, week. And yeah, I did that this uh, last night. Actually, I wanted to go out, but I, cause I, I mean, I'm gone so much. I, I feel like I haven't seen my friends in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, but then it was just like, we had this story. I was telling Bailey this story about like how I went off on this guy who booted my truck. And it was just because of the stress of leading up to that. And then, you know, no one, no one deserves that, but it's, yeah, it's honestly throwing rocks at a wall sounds phenomenal. <laughs> I, I my head got stuck on that. I was like, do you know how much fun that would be? Because you can does. just think. <laughs> What's wrong with us? That's why you and I are up early. We're, we're gonna go, go throw this. rocks at the wall. What are you doing at 4 a.m.? I go throw rocks at the wall. It's hey, we're Bailey and Ephraim. Well, they left the bar to go throw some rocks at the wall. Get talk, get deep, and talk about life. Hey, well, you know what? I've had some great conversations with you about life, and that's what makes you special to me. So. Um, back out check. What is, I did therapy two, two years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And, and well, actually up until COVID mm-hmm. and well, I did a lot of therapy in my life. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's like dating. Yeah. I, I think I've had four or five phenomenal therapists and I've had one that, that my very first therapist blessed his heart. God bless him. He was, you know, I was a wreck of just, you know, my, my, I mean, for the people that know me, I grew up completely different and to mm-hmm. have to drop all those beliefs and, and create your own and find your own. That was a, that was a really tough road. And, and he walked me through a lot. But then up until COVID, I had a different one. What did, I mean, I know I want to interview you one day. Honestly, I just love it. Your, your whole life. I'm like, uh, okay, we're going to have an episode of the ultimate shift. that is actually e It's going to be reversed. <laughs> so I'm going to come as the guest host. I, I, I might actually do that sometime. What is it about? Do you think? everyone should have, I think everyone should go through therapy. And do you think what's the best part of that process that you, that you have found for yourself? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think that, I guess it's obviously everyone has a different take on it. I know I'm going to spill her being sorry because, you know, she unfortunately didn't have some great therapists growing up and it was, she had to go to therapy. And I think that that, you know, is really unfortunate so I get why people wouldn't want to, um, even if you've never been to therapy and you're just not sure about it, but it's really helped me. I think that I would recommend it for everyone, at least for a little bit. It's hysterical because really you're not a New Yorker unless you've got a psychiatrist and a therapist. It's a lot of chaos because we're not meant to, to live in that. Right. Right. But, um, I think that it really, I want, I had seen therapists and psychiatrists all through high school. Um, one thing that I'm actually working on sharing and it's mental health awareness month. I've struggled with depression my whole life, clinical depression. I was diagnosed at 14 and she said, really, she thinks it started at, it kicked in at eight, whatever. Um, it runs in the family. So I think that having a place to go and just be truthful, mm-hmm. like I found safe. the past say, yeah, it's a safe place. And I tend to avoid, I'm an avoider. And that's something that I'm working on. I will do anything to avoid being uncomfortable And that's one thing about New York that I loved is I push, I said, Hey, I want to be uncomfortable. I want to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that was great. But then when COVID hit, you know, all of us went 
it was crazy. And I we was have no idea how to navigate that. No, I didn't. No one's been through this. Right. And I was very fortunate to still be working. I mean, I was doing, I was very fortunate to be doing quite a bit during COVID and, but I knew I could feel myself hitting a wall. And I knew that as my therapist, but an earthquake was about to come and I needed a place to be anchored and to be truthful. And I think, oh, you're good. I think that I was checking myself at the door in a lot of different areas of my life. And it's not that I wasn't being truthful. I just wasn't bringing my whole self in. And that's really helped so much. Just being able to tell her whatever it is, whether it's, hey, I went out and got, there was one weekend, it was after my uncle passed, my voice coach had passed away at the end of this year as well. And I just, I went out with, I mean, truthfully, I just got hammered. And I was a version of myself that I didn't really like. And it was one night that it was enough for me to say, oof, oof, you're avoiding some things. And then it just kind of kept going. And it's almost like you go deeper and deeper and deeper Mm -hmm. within yourself. And then finally, I just spilled that out to her. I was like, hey, this is going on in my life and this and this. And I've avoided this person and I've avoided this conversation. And I don't know how to say it. And just having her to say that, to put all of that right there and her say, I want to let you know, like, I want you to honor those that you just laid mm-hmm. this out here. Not that everyone wants to hear my therapy session. Sorry, but um, <laughs> no, it's great. But yeah, it just, I think that it's really helped me put my truth out there and it makes me feel less crazy because I, I, that's another thing I was working on is I think we all feel, it's like we check ourselves, especially women and my girlfriends. Am I crazy? Am I crazy? No, you're not freaking crazy. That's how you feel. If it's yeah. how you feel, it's how you feel. I mean, it's yeah. not always justified, not necessarily, but yeah. <laughs> if it's how you feel, it's how you feel. Yeah. So Yeah. She's just given me the space to really breathe. And I feel like I'm getting Yeah. It's made me again, like I was in New York, more comfortable being uncomfortable. So is that what you asked? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you know me, I'll talk for forever. That's okay. That's great. What do you, so you said something that was interesting to me because I recently, it took a therapist to bring that part out of me to where Mm -hmm. you said, you know, you went out and partied and then you were like, Oh, like, okay, I'm, I'm pushing something away. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there was a a therapist that pointed that out to me as well. But what, what do you, how do you find that part? What would you remember ever that transition point where if someone was to say, well, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I just feel so like lost. Basically. I I don't have those check-in moments with myself Mm because I keep covering them up too much. Mm -hmm. How, what is that first step of finding that, that, thing is it just is it stepping away mm-hmm. and completely isolating yourself for whether it's an hour a day what what's your advice to someone that says I want to get there where where those warning signs come up instead of just repeating the pattern mm-hmm. if you will oh that's interesting I don't know what I mean I was gonna say what was it for you I don't I don't know if it, I mean do you feel like I don't know if for me it was a if it was like a certain moment I think I just I've always I try to be very self-aware and I think like specifically this last time it was, I just felt myself being resentful towards people that I love and I don't like that on me. I don't like bitter, mm-hmm. you know, or, or frustrated. And I started feeling a little just resentful and overwhelmed. And I realized I, I just started thinking, I was like, okay, you can't keep going like this. This isn't the warm light be that, you know, you want to be. And I think, I think that if, I think that you feel it, I, this, I don't know that this is really helpful, but I think you just get to a point where you kind of have to acknowledge it or you just keep going and someone else is going to do it for you. You know what I mean? People are going to start pointing it out. You're going to, yeah, you're going to, I don't want to say lose friends, but uh, that's not the case. But I feel very fortunate that the past few months, the, the people I've had around, they've really, they've called me out in such a loving way or checked me or I've been able to talk to them. Even you, I'm like, I can talk to you about stuff. A good girlfriend of mine, I kind of told her what happened and she said, yeah, you know, it's totally cool that you did that, but it's not, you probably shouldn't do it again, but never Mm -hmm. said it in a way that felt judgmental or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So I don't know what advice I'd just say, try and check in with yourself as much as you can. And if something doesn't feel right, then just look in yourself. And it's also another thing too, like it's not everybody else, you know, you're, you are in charge of you. So yeah, maybe it's more important to, like you said, also surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth. Right. And and again, in a loving way, because one of the greatest things that I have that I feel so fortunate, my best friend of 20 something years, Allison, 
she always talks to me in a way that is making sure I'm the best version for me, not the best version of me for her. Wow. And that to me is such a big deal, you know, because sometimes, and that's what I want to be for my friends too. I'm like, I want you to be the best version of Ephraim, Mm -hmm. not what I think the best version of Ephraim is. Because honestly, that's probably not as great as your best version of you is, you know what I mean? Like we all, so anywho, yeah. Yeah, I think when I started recognize it was for me it was recognizing it or like using the story from the other night when I went off on the guy who booted mm-hmm. again. It's like okay, you know, as soon as that was over, I was like that shouldn't that shouldn't have happened, and I could have been like, no, the old Ephraim would have been like, well, that was I was I probably shouldn't have happened, but then right back to it. But then I've learned that I stopped myself and I'm be like, no. That really should not have happened. Mm-hmm. How are you going to avoid this from happening again? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a moment. Let's think about this. What caused this to happen? How did it? How did I react in such a, a way? And then, okay, well now we now we brought awareness to it to the point that it's not just a, a fleeting awareness. It's like the next time that starts to happen, mm-hmm. I, I program myself to really think through what had happened there. And now, okay, now I can stop it. Mm-hmm. And, and at least you hope. Exactly. Know. Yeah. Take some time away. Say, wait a second. Yeah. What was it? And then, no, you're so Start right. Start asking the questions of like, what led up to this? Mm-hmm. And and don't, and because I think when you asked me the question, you were saying like, do you go off and take some time for yourself? A few hours a day, whatever. I think totally. Yeah. Go look at that. And if it's somebody you need to apologize to, or that's what I try to do. I try and talk mm-hmm. to the person right away. Like, Hey, what's going on. Let's fix this because I don't want to carry that through my day. I don't want them to carry that. But I sometimes would, when I would start avoiding and be mad at myself, I would then isolate like completely isolate. And that's not healthy either. You know? So, yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. Okay. Well, I'm not going to take up your whole day. (laughs) A couple more questions. So if you were given a world stage and you were, you don't have to take five minutes on this, but essentially (laughs) Hypothetically, given five minutes on a world stage where everyone's watching, not just the people you know, not just America, but the entire world, what do you think the world needs to hear right now? If, if they have to remember Bailey Heineman, what, what would you want them to know that you stood for? Love and light. And that might sound so cliche, but love and light and equality. What do you mean by light? I, I think my biggest thing, which I love that I'm, I'm the one doing all the talking and being long winded, but the way that you are shining a light on me in this way right now and giving me an opportunity. This is because sh- you are the guest. It's not <laughs> a, my podcast is not about me. I know, but, but still, but you're shining a light on me and giving me an opportunity to be myself and share my story, you know? And I think when I say light, it's just warmth. Like, I just want to be, I want people to feel seen. I think that is maybe I'm realizing lately, at least for me right now. I just, I think there are a lot of people that don't feel seen Mm -hmm. and it can feel very scary to feel seen. You know, it feels like people are staring right through you sometimes, but wow, what a gift. And I think there are a lot of people walking around and they just don't feel seen. And so I just want to make sure anyone I come in contact with or know, I just, it's like, I see you, you are worthy and I love you, whatever Mm -hmm. it is in your life. So yeah, I think just love and she was love and light. Yeah. I think that's interesting. You you said that because I'm I'm dealing with a little bit of, as you know, we we had a lot of equipment stolen from one of our job sites mm-hmm. a week or so ago, and I wanted to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And then we found out who the guy was, and I still wanted to kill this guy. <laughs> Literally, I said, "Give me a baseball bat. And he won't ever walk again." This is this mm-hmm. is coming from me. Like mm-hmm. this is, I saw a different version of myself mm-hmm. that I've never seen before of anger and just frustration. Mm-hmm. There's few things I have. I have zero tolerance for theft. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, I started with nothing. I busted my ass to get here. And Mm -hmm. now you're just going to take my stuff and put, put guys out of work that, that are relying on me for their income. Mm -hmm. And then someone sent me, then they found him. And then someone sent me a picture of him and there were six cop cars around him. He was standing there handcuffed. And I just, for for a moment or a minute, and I still do, I guess. I just I felt really sorry for him, and I yeah. think I think that when you're in that situation for him, in in the way you said it, is in some way, form or fashion, he just wants to be seen. He just wants to be heard, and and yeah, he's made some dumb choices and mm-hmm. and whatnot else, but there's an underlying issue there mm-hmm. that's that's. It's much deeper than the than the thought of him stealing equipment or whatever, mm-hmm. and and I felt I just felt a lot of compassion for for 
that in a sense. And I think you're exactly right. I think everyone deserves to be seen or heard in some way. And whatever. And I think it's hard too, because I, my, sometimes my dad would get frustrated, not frustrated because my parents raised me to be this way, but you know, I always play devil's advocate in the way of what got him to that point to do that. And to take your, you're such a hard, I, I know you personally, so I know your character and your heart and I'd be pissed. I was pissed for you. You know, cause I say pissed, I was pissed yeah, for yeah. you, but then you do. Yeah. You look at that guy and you think, God, what got you to this point? Mm-hmm. And so I might not know, but I, it's still like, you know, human, we're, yeah. we're all human. So I don't know, but it, that's interesting. I'm glad that you shared that. Cause that's, yeah. It doesn't mean that I'll feel that way right. because he's now <laughs> lawyered up and not right. giving us any information. But anyway, but it, it's just, you know, everybody deserves to be heard. And that's part of why I do this show. I think that, that everybody has a voice and everybody, and if, if this isn't a big show or anything, but I love like just learning about people and mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. What, if you could pick one person alive or dead, and ask them one question, who would the person be and what would the question be? Ah. <laughs> this run off and gets people. This, well, somebody asked me that one time in an interview and or really? an audition, and I said, Malala. She's alive, but for some reason, she was the first person that came to mind. I'm trying to think, who would I ask right now? She was. She's always my safe bet, but I think she's just such an interesting, she's such a young woman, and she was, if I remember correctly, she was shot in the head by the Taliban going to school. Oh, wow. Um, it was a story a while ago. I, she's just an advocate for, you know, women's rights and school and girls getting proper education. And I think that, so she was, she's always a, a I don't want to say a safe one, but she's for some reason, just, I think the bravery of you're still, you were, you survived that. She's, mm-hmm. she's a survivor of so many things and so incredible. And, but who would I ask a question? Oh God, that's so hard. I I don't know. I want to say a musician, maybe like, I don't know. I'll say, I'll say I would love to meet Malala. Yeah. So if you got to meet her, what's the first thing you think you would ask her? How do you do it? And I know that's such a broad question, but just how do you do it? I mean, so, I mean, people could ask you the same thing. How do you do everything you do? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'd say, well, give me five days because I'm going to talk that much. <laughs> That's funny. So what is, last question, and I'll let you go. What is, where do you see Bailey Heineman in five years? And do you journal according to that? I do my intentions. I write down intentions every day and I don't go back and look at them, but I say, um, in the present as if I've already attained these goals, I see myself, I've only recently started trying to envision that Mm -hmm. because my life has not gone according to plan by any means. So I know anytime I plan, I need to plan for the plan to go Mm -hmm. a different way, but I'll give you this base thing. I see myself, I want to have a house in Nashville. I want to have this as home base. I don't know if I see kids or a family or anything like that, but I just see myself performing, working on music, acting, maybe writing. I think maybe having written some more. Mm-hmm. I really want to write a, a movie or a TV show about my uncle. So hopefully have uh-huh. that completed. He's got such an incredible story. I really want to write about him. Just, you should do a movie about his, his life. I want to. Yeah. I'm, that's something that I've been talking about with my parents a little bit. And then also this woman, Bertha, who she, she's half of my upbringing pretty much raised me. Um, I really want to write a story about her, but I think I just, it's an underwhelming answer to a really big question. I think some people probably mm-hmm. have really exciting yeah. things, but I really just want to just still be creating, have a home base, hopefully traveling around the world and, Singing, doing what you love. Yeah, just doing what I love. Yeah. Yeah. In five years, Bailey Heineman will be. Who knows what her name will be at that time, or her hair color, or her whatever. But just loving well, and living. But when you get that that first Grammy nomination, you just have to keep us in mind and then just you know at least make sure we get a ticket to go watch. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Y'all are gonna be right there. We're gonna have a rage challenge. Are you kidding me? It's the Grammy rage challenge. It took me two weeks to get over the last rage challenge you talked me into, so <laughs> I talked to Ephraim into doing a rage challenge because it's been a while since we obviously with COVID gotten to go out. Let me tell you, even my aunt, my aunt came out and she was like, 
I can't. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a rough next day. Um, well, I just want to acknowledge you for being you and for, for being the light to everyone who knows you. I mean, you're one of the hardest working, passionate, authentic people that I know. And I think it's, it's, I'm eternally grateful for our friendship. And I think that the world is, is going to get to see you too. And I think that they're going to love who they, who they see. Cause we need more authentic people like you. We need more people that are just willing to say it like it is. And, and yeah, just be, totally be yourself. So for our listeners, how can they find you, you know, support you, whether it's Instagram, uh, find your work online. Mm-hmm. So how, where, where can they find you? Probably? Well, first I want to say, thanks Eve. I'm going to go leave in my car and I love you. <laughs> I feel the same about you. I'm at handle of Bailey, H A N D L E O F B A I L E Y on all the socials. And I'm actually going into the studio on May 24th. We can talk about this another time, but, um, finally managing my own self, my own self, managing myself, going to get some music out there, releasing something in June. It's the first oh, thing. Wow. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. So just follow me. Social media is the easiest way right now to then, you know, be able to follow on all of the music platforms. And then five women in the end is on Amazon prime. You can watch that there. I think Claire McKenna is going to be, I needed, I'm actually talking with the director today. Hopefully that'll be out for everyone to see soon okay. as well. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. Cool. So they can just click on that. Well, well thanks, thanks for, for being me. here. This has been a long time coming. Guys, I've been trying to get Bailey on this show for a year, <laughs> and we finally made it happen. Well, thanks for having me. Honestly, I'm honored. Well, I'm honored. The so. pleasure is all mine. All right, that does it for today. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.